you're not looking. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's uh, time for another wonderful episode of The Bill. Bert. Pod. Yes. I'm it drinking never goes again, back Bill. to you. I'm drinking again, Bill. I'm drinking. This is a bad time there? to meet Dave Portnoy, the man who speaks the most reckless ever that I've ever seen, which I love about you, Dave. But this is, when I drink around guys like you, I get in trouble. Reckless. Wow. I like that's one thing I got to say. Just starting off, it is refreshing to see a company that when all of these people that are just I don't know whatever the hell they're doing, they just see people having a good time, I guess, and then they they come in and they with all of their their own agenda. And if you don't drop to your knee, like I just see everybody just caves and apologizes. We're gonna try to do better, and you guys always just like, oh, this is what we're doing. We're not doing anything wrong, and it just. Goes away. My favorite one, Bert, I don't know if you know this one. This this kid was just trying to like somehow have Dave removed, which I don't know. I don't know why. That happens a lot. So they wanted him removed. And and the, one of their CEOs or something is a woman. And he was saying, oh, she's only there in name only. And she went back. I'm only here in name only. This company's grown by, you know, 200% since I've been there. And it really, it actually exposed the other guy for actually his own sexist views. And then he totally went Claude Lemieux. He just turtled up, disappeared, fucking disappeared. Cause that's what I was waiting for. I was sitting there going, all right, let's, how's this kid gonna talk his way out of that? He just folded up his tent and left. And then what killed me was all those woke signalers didn't go after him for looking at a woman in that power position and just dis and making the assumption that she was only there in name only. Oh, did I enjoy that? My favorite Erica Nardini story. And, and I mean, obviously, times are, I've been doing Barcel 15 years, 17 years. Times are as crazy as they've ever been right now with what we're doing. But it's, um, so, some, Erica wore a feminist sweatshirt. It just said feminist on it. And somebody who hated us and hated her tweeted about it. And they're like, look at this fake feminist wearing a feminist sweatshirt. She just tweeted back at the girl, it's cashmere, bitch. That's my favorite thing <laughs> she's ever done. <laughs> you know, I got to be honest with you. Like, I feel that so much more the majority is cool with other people doing their thing. And that just seems to be like this lunatic sort of fringe on both sides. Like I was joking with a buddy of mine saying both political parties needed to drop 30 pounds of crazy yep. and then go into November. And it's, um, well, I, don't know, I, I just wish more corporations would look at like, your business model when there's just this lunacy coming out and just be like, no, that's ridiculous. And just realize that, that there's no bite coming back after that. And if you just, if you support the artist, the creative person, or the person that they're coming after, that it just kind of all goes away. And just watching people, I don't know, the amount of people I've seen apologize who've done nothing. Yeah, and I mean, much. you're obviously, both of you guys, is like we fashion ourselves as comedians. So, you know, we, we got in hot water. I got in hot water. I'm always getting in hot water. But more recently, I don't know what the shit all over my hand is. More recently, got, like, you create hot, you guys create hot water. That fucking Jeremy Rennick thing. You guys, like just you guys being around, like I said, man, people show up to your compound and get reckless. It's part of your fucking brand. I do it, and that fucking Jeremy dude definitely does it. 
Yeah, well, you know, I always look at it in a weird way. I've heard people compare it to like old Stern, you know, because you know when you're sitting down on with them that they're pretty, you know, they're on the edge and you want to fit in and you want to be funny. And, and when you do that in that environment, you can say things you wouldn't ordinarily say. Where I always say we kind of get in trouble or treated, what I would say, I don't know, unfairly is the word. Like if Bill or you, you go do a comedy show, you know you're in a comedy club. People bought the tickets. A lot of times the things we say, I feel like they're things people aren't giving the background that we're trying to entertain and be funny and we're making fun of everybody. It's like somebody who goes into, you know, a comedy club who didn't buy a ticket, walks out, and he'll be like, you never believe what this guy said, but you don't give the background that it was in a comedy club and you didn't buy a ticket. So, yeah, uh, yeah. and it's interesting times now. And like to what Bill was saying, social media just makes it the fucking worst because, you know, a few people or a big group that you can amplify your voice you know, directly at companies and it's a shit show out there. It's a shit show. And it's every day somebody else is getting canceled or trying to be canceled. Do you find yeah, yourself, do you find yourself, Dave, I know this is going to sound like a weird question, but do you find yourself getting behind anyone who's about to get canceled, be it Deshaun Jackson or Nick Cannon? Like when, they, when you watch them bend at the knee, you're like, God damn it, man. I thought Nick was going to pull this one off. I literally thought. Yeah. I mean, I'm Jewish, so I didn't read too much into, like, Deshaun Watson. I, I'm Deshaun Jackson. I didn't love him quoting Hitler. Like, I'm not a big Hitler guy. So, it's like, <laughs> you know, I'm going to be, like, having his back. You know, the H-man's pretty tough. But, you know, listen, we, we've been doing it for 20 years. And kind of where I, I got in hot water, I'm so used to people coming after me that – when you dig through what I've been saying for fucking 20 years and I got in a huge amount of trouble recently for a couple of things as someone I know who fucking hates me. I don't know who it is, but they've been trying to cancel me forever. They went back, they dug through everything we said. And like five years ago, we had a Super Bowl party and we had Ja Rule and Ashanti. Like that's who we booked as the talent because we couldn't do, yeah, we couldn't do like Bieber or Taylor Swift. We had to do something a little different. So we went old school. And to announce it, I did a big emergency press conference and all this shit, and I sang Jar Rule's top five songs, like 30 seconds of each. One of them has the N-word in it, and I sang it. Um, not many people said anything back in the day. This became a huge fucking issue for me now. And they're like, apologize for apologize. And whether it's the way I said it, I'm like, listen, I'm not going to apologize for it because you're going to go back and try to find everything that I'm trying to say. Like it, it, I didn't mean it to be offensive. I'll only apologize for things that I mean with hate. I didn't realize I'm singing a lyric. I didn't realize it. Some of my old employees got very upset. African-Americans like, well, you put us out on an Island. And I did apologize for that. I'm like, I never mean to do that. I never want them to feel like, you know, I don't have their back and I never mean to truly offend enough people but you can't, you like can't sing threshold. along to a song at this point yeah. if it's that's what actually you can hold on i did an interview with uh trinidad james who's one of his most favorite songs is all gold everything and the aaron n-words sang maybe 70 times in it like not not even joking it's part of the chorus it's just that word repeated over yeah. and over again like someone's got a stutter and uh and i said to him i said how do you feel because my daughters have a problem when i sing when i'm in that car listening to that song and singing along and, and he goes hey man I'm paraphrasing. I, he's allowed to take back whatever he said to me. But um, he said, hey, man, I put that out, uh, that art out, and I hope you enjoy it. And, and 
if you if you enjoy it responsibly and you're not like obviously being reckless with it and being an asshole and but he goes then enjoy it that's my art and and you bro cancel culture is going way too far when white guys can't listen to hip-hop but you but just, he, you just I, lost listen. all the cancel guys when you said bro the second because then that's gonna be look at these three bros talking listen, about I, I, so blah, blah, that's blah, what blah. i thought that's what I thought originally, but it, 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 I'm, I'll never do it again. There was enough outrage. There's enough people. I'll never fucking do it. And, and the only take I take, on, listen, I'm not a black guy, so I, I'm not going to tell them how they should feel. But if you, my impression, if you ask 10 black people, five will say, can't sing it, can't do it. Five will say, good. And I'm like, oh, listen, I don't want, that's like heat. I, I, I always look yeah. at it as it's intent. Are you trying to make people feel better? Exactly. That's what I can't stand is when you tell them what your intent is. Now, obviously, you could lie. But like when you're like, no, that's not how I meant the joke. That's how you took it. I have to apologize for how you took it or they want you to. You know, I also love too. like it's it's like that happened five years ago. The people bitching. I want to be like, how old were you? Right. You no, were like 25 I when I did this. It took you until you were 30 to figure out that this bothered you? I hear you. I hear I'm on the same page, but then I'm all right, I don't want to get I don't want to start it. I don't want to start it all back up again. So whatever. <laughs> I'm I'm just saying it's nice to see somebody a, a company not like just like it's it's what it's how we end up going too far to the left or too far to the right. They both when suck. You, you just keep Backing up, backing up, backing up, backing up, backing up. It just becomes like this, this crazy thing. So, I mean, I don't know. I think at this point when you can politicize a virus, I think. I think Seriously. We're, yeah, we're in trouble right now. This is not a good look for the world. We're showing that we're divided and we're weak. So. Uh, yeah, I've always said that. We should be in unison that we fucking don't like corona. Like that should be something yeah. we can all agree on. Hey, I have a question. You guys, you guys met through a video Bill shot 10 years ago. Is that how you guys like kind of hooked up for the first time? It was. A Andrew was saying, you got to read these guys' bars to stool sports. They're hilarious. And he started sending me their articles. And I think, I don't know if you were just in Boston at the time or whatever. It was a long time ago. And like, I had just started out on my podcast. So he's like, you got, and he goes, I'm and Andrew called. He goes, I'm telling you, these guys are going to fucking blow up. There's an overlap in fan base, blah, 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 blah. So we ended up, I ended up, I was in Boston at the time and I had my, my little handheld shit. I still have that stuff, to be honest with you. And I think you were moving or something. Yeah, it was like a weird fucking episode, like Bill Burr in my kitchen. Like we just sat in my fucking kitchen for like two hours. No and one's ever said, done that. And he said when, well, the reason why I liked him was because when he was going to do an interview and he knew the people were just going to try to take him down, he would wear a disrespectful shirt. He wouldn't, if he dressed up, it meant I respect you as a reporter and he would try to look sharp. But if he didn't, he'd wear some ridiculous Hawaiian shirt or whatever. And he tells me that. And while I'm interviewing him, he kind of had a ridiculous shirt on. So I'm thinking like, is he wearing this shirt because he's moving? Because I got a <laughs> middle of a move? Or does he think that I'm going to fuck with him? So I was a little uncomfortable in the beginning. And then we just sort of smoothed it out. I'm like, all right, this guy's just a, a you know, he's a Boston guy, fan of the, of the team. So um, believe it or not, that was like 10 years ago. I didn't go back and look at the video because uh, of what you said at the beginning of this, Bert was saying like, Jesus Christ, Bill, you look like a little boy, which is funny because I was 42, I'm now 52. And it's just like, I, I don't need to know that I make a 42-year-old look old at this point. I feel like that's really, and I was kind of new to what you were doing. I mean, I knew you were, but 
obviously I know you a lot better. I, I don't know. I feel like that's when you started exploding. Like I, we were talking before the show, you know, I was watching the, the King of Staten Island, your main character. I mean, you're everywhere. Like I turn on the little guy, uh, Baby Yoda, you're in that. I mean, you're fucking everywhere. <laughs> well, I, I'm, yeah, there's a, there's a, it's a balance. You got to be out there, but if, if you're everywhere, you're, then all of a sudden, uh, like I'm a Ben Affleck fan. And the tipping point when he was dating J-Lo and they were going to Red Sox games, and all of a sudden you, you start to like not being able to get away from somebody. I kind of learned watching that because I saw it like sort of public perception turn on that guy. I'm like, wait, this guy makes fucking great movies. He's an even better director. What is the problem? And I kind of learned through that. And then I watched like guys like Chris Rock and Beastie Boys were really good at like when they had something to promote, they were out there. And then when it was over, they just pulled back. So. I mean, it's kind of hard to do when I do a video podcast every week, but... Yeah, yeah. no, you're out there. Three of them. Uh, yeah, but definitely. Dave, here's a question I want to ask both you guys. Um, that video is about LeBron's decision. And one of the most fascinating things that I feel like I pulled away... From, and I watched that documentary on the decision. I don't know if you saw it, but it's, uh, it's athletes creating their own narrative. Like cre being the dictator of their own narrative. And, and, and after watching The Last Dance, you go... Oh, that's our future. There's, there possibly could be no other narrative other than the ones the athletes allow. And what's crazy is without even I, – I, I watched, Dave, I watched a, a video you had about your high school baseball career. Mm -hmm. and, your dad, and, and I was like – I came away and I was like, Dave Portnoy is a fucking – legend bro he's one of the best <laughs> baseball players no one ever right. and then i realized oh dave fucking portnay directed that of course he's a fucking right legend. right right so what do you guys think my dad, about my dad's on his walter payton my your, dad, dad, your dad goes i walked away from that field and they said that's the best athlete i've ever seen <laughs> 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 yeah. but what yeah. do you think about athletes in the future after the last dance just their they their narrative is the one you're going to hear yeah, and I think it's even before that, to be honest. Again, not to – it's social media. Like, once the athletes are able to kind of cut out, you have guys doing, you know, their own press releases, their own announcements, whether it be Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram. But you can cut through. You can speak directly. So that's been a change that's been happening. I mean, obviously, LeBron with ESPN and all that takes it to, like, the next level. But if you want to speak directly to, you know, the consumer, you can do it. And it's all social media. Yeah, we've been doing it with podcasting. When you talk, Bill, about not overexposing yourself, it's like you you only show the parts of yourself that we decide to show on this show. It's such a weird way. Do you think that's it is a good it's it's been overall it's been a I think it's been a good thing for athletes too, because you know, with that Jordan documentary where they were sitting like you know, there was like some people in the press that got a little pissy about it that it was like he had final cut and all that. And I was like, Great because you guys have been telling his story for almost 40 years. I want to hear what is he, what is his version? Right. Like what, what does he think that, that, that he is? And um, I don't know, there was a lot of stuff about Jordan. I never, I never understood why people had a problem with the hall of fame speech. It's just like, well, you're, you're upset that that was the mentality he had to have. So you could have, you could watch the greatest basketball player that, that ever. I, I never understood why, um, I don't know, the press and people just get, like, so pissy about that. It's just like, let the guy, you know, if that's how he is, that's how he is. He's not hurting anybody. He's fucking playing a game. I love how he greenlit that documentary, like, the day that LeBron won the championship with the Cavs. That's, like, my favorite part of that. Yeah. 
Like, well, you know, I have to be honest. Like, you know, the the how the NBA, I feel like they've kind of sold their soul to the super team, where they kind of it's like every year there seems to be an all star team, either both in the West or one in the East, one in the West, ideally, and then in the final. So then it's sort of a foregone conclusion that these two teams are going to make it to the finals. And um, I just liked how, you know, I mean, if they, if they did it the same way they do it now back then, that all that shit with Jordan lifting the weights, trying to get past the Pistons, and now those great battles that those two incredible teams had, he would have just jumped on the, uh, the Pistons. After maybe the second year, he just would have jumped on them, and then, he, he, you know, then the Pistons win like five in a row or something. And I, I just, I, I'm not a fan. I always equate it to like when you were a little kid and you chose, chose up teams outside at recess. Even in the third grade, if it got too lopsided, even in third grade, you were like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You sort of like, where, where would the satisfaction be if all the athletes beat up the mathletes? Yeah. And I, I just it's feel also, like that's gone in the NBA right now. True hatred. Like, they, they, because everyone's, like, friends and all the other – I, I feel like there's not the true hatred. Like, you watch the Jordan, like I, – I, I laughed every time Jordan during that. He just – I fucking hate Isaiah. Like, no matter well, – you gave him an inch. He's like, I fucking hate Isaiah Thomas. I still fucking hate no him. No one can like, convince me that guy's not an asshole was my favorite quote. Yeah, what about right. Bill Lambert? Bill Lambert right. had the greatest quote ever. Because what's his face? Uh, Isaiah was sort of, you know, trying to – dance his way out of that walking off the court. And they said to Bill Lambeer, they go, uh, do you regret doing that? He goes, no, nah, fuck those guys. Because yeah. when we won it, they said we're not real champions. And right. I'm like, ah, they still hate each other. I love that. I love it. And that, that's gone now in the NBA. And it was the Celtics hating the Pistons. My favorite rant, I love, like, the Johnny Most when he's grabbing the old microphone. He's like, the dirty way they do things here. <laughs> so yeah, I love that. yeah. Oh, yeah. You know what's funny? Out here in L.A., well, my favorite sportscaster to, to watch is the one that has Michael Cooper on it. And whenever they show a Celtic highlight or the Lakers play the Celtics, the level of hatred – that that man still has for the Celtics. I, I, it's weird. As a sports fan, it warms my heart. I'm like, this guy, he beat, like they, you know, the 80s, they got the best of us, and he's still, you would think that we won five and they won three in the 80s. Uh, the, the way he, he's like, yeah. I think he's mad that they, that they lost it still in 84. All of that. All of it. It's not just that. Like, I love to watch one of my favorite documentaries, the 30 for 30s of the old Miami Hurricanes, where they just used to, like, dance. And, like, I don't like sports. I don't think they're – you don't need – I'm very anti-sportsmanship in sports. Like, I like hatred. I like oh. celebrating. I like running it in. It's entertainment. That's what I like. Everyone everyone now shake hands, kissy-kissy, can't celebrate, can't do this. I hate that. I hate well, it. I like it to a point. I don't like the sportsmanship – where if you make a good play, I got to watch you do a 20-minute dance. But then if you fuck up and get burned, you get to pretend, grab your hamstring, yeah. and run to the fucking locker room. You know, I mean... You're talking about our guy, though, now, Bill, because that's, that's Cam Newton 101. Uh, let's just listen to the deal. I don't know anything about this guy, but, like, quoting all those animals and all of that shit, I mean, this guy's definitely out there. Uh, and I feel like, you know, with a guy like that, when you, when you leave... Carol, a big red flag to me is who needs fucking Cam Newton more than the Carolina Panthers? And they let the guy go for nothing. It's like, what the fuck is with that? How did it go that sour? Now, it could have been the ownership, so I don't know. Yeah. But I know when a guy like that comes into a place that's used to winning, 
they sort of have to be on good behavior. And it takes about a season and a half before you figure out if the person bought in or they're actually a good dude and the ownership sucked, which is what I'm hoping is going to happen. So um, I think we're going to have a good season with the guy, but I think we find out who was right. Carolina yeah, ownership. The Patriots have a long history. I mean, Randy Moss, Corey Dillon, they've taken guys who have been, you know, superstars, outcasts. I'm excited. We'll see. But he, he I mean, he does this thing. He does the Superman. I mean, they can be down 40 and he gets a first down and he's, he's pointing, he's celebrating, he's getting football. That's what I love because he tweeted. He goes, I'm sick of being humble. It's like every time you score, you rip open your shirt like you're Superman. But no. I'm thinking maybe I'm just being an old man. Maybe compared to what other guys are doing, that's humble for he's his not, He's not, but I'm all in on it now. He's our guy, so fuck, I'll start doing it. I'll write a blog and fucking rip my shirt open. I'm all in on it now. He's our guy. you got to embrace it. Good, good competitiveness is appreciated on both sides. When we were in – I went to Florida State, and we played Miami, and I remember Warren Sapp led a fucking group of just fucking massive dudes out to the center where they had the fucking – the Indians had right yeah. at the Seminole and they grabbed patches of dirt and walked away. And like, that's before the fucking game. It's going to be a good fucking game. Yeah. That's what I love. I love the rock. I remember, uh, I'm a Michigan guy a couple of years ago, Devin Bush before the game went into the end zone where the Spartan was and tried to remove it with his cleat. Like that, that's the shit that I fucking love. You know one of my favorite yeah, ones? Yeah, when we put his married men, they fucking piss and moan. What the fuck? Yeah. One of my favorite ones was when Jim Harbaugh was coaching at Stanford. And, he, and he, Pete Carroll was still with USC. And they were beating the shit out of him. They scored another touchdown. Stanford did at the end of the game. He went, he went for two points, like fucking Woody Hayes, right? And in the end... Pete Carroll was just like, he's like, hey, bro, what's your problem? Whatever. And it was, he was basically, I forget if he said it right then or if he said it at the end of the game. He's like, what are you talking? You've been doing that forever in this division. When he had all of those guys, he was running up the score, trying to get up the rankings. Yeah. And, now, and he did it to Stanford. And I love that Jim Harbaugh took that personally. Some shit happened. Harbaugh is he was Stanford. Yeah, yeah, Stanford did the USC. Was Woody Hayes is the guy, I think it was Michigan. I think that's right. He went for two in a blowout. They're like, why'd you go for two? He's like, because you can't go for three. Yeah. <laughs> the exact, the exact mentality. Woody Hayes was, there's never going to be another. Did you ever see that, Bert, when towards the end of his career, I think they were playing Clemson. Some team had orange in their, in their uniform, and the kid on the other team intercepted the ball. He got pushed out of bounds near him, and he was so mad, he grabbed him, slash yeah. sort of punched yeah. him in the yeah. face. And he was like almost 70. Yeah. Just, yeah. They don't make him like that anymore. Well, you're not allowed to. You'd be, like, thrown in prison. Yeah. I know. Well, let me, like, then here's a question I have, because I'm reading this, been sort of slowly getting through this book called The Code in Hockey. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, I'm reading this Ben Roethlisberger autobiography. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> Haven't got to that summertime read yet. I just, like, I never questioned fighting in hockey. I just thought it was f cool as shit, and I loved it. But I could never quite explain it. I always knew the players were talking about, well, if it doesn't happen, the game's going to get out of control. And I now sort of understand it reading the book, like, that these guys come out on the ice, and sometimes an enforcer doesn't even need to fight. This is like the manliest shit ever. Sometimes the big guy gets out there, and right before a face-off, he just goes, hey, guys, we need to settle this down. You know, somebody might get hurt. And everybody's just like, oh, shit, he's getting mad, and it brings it back down again. And they're saying if they don't have those guys out there, 
which I think the Bruins saw last year in the finals when we didn't have anybody to, to make people accountable for their actions, that it is going to get out of control. Um, I'm just, I just wonder why the league um, can't somehow just through fines and throwing people out of the league, they, they just can't get it out of the game if they actually wanted to. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think it's probably one of those fine lines. It's, you know, again, it's, it's not to sound like soft, every, people talk about concussions and all that. But, I, you know, I think it's a, a push-pull. They probably don't want it totally out of the game. It is part of the game. But you're trying to market stuff, and everything pisses everybody off. So uh, I think it's a big thing. You know, the concussion thing is why, to me, that they want to get rid of it. Yeah, well, yeah, and that, and then also I think they've always been envious of, of the other three sports where, you know, they're all the way back where baseball was America's pastime. And in their lifetime of being a, a sports league, they saw the NFL run down the MLB. They saw the NBA become number one. They saw everybody's sort of been number one and held the belt, and they never have. And then to see the UFC – come out of nowhere and pass all of them and go global and, and get to a level where they're almost fucking with international soccer. Um, I just think that they try to make the, they, they've never sort of been comfortable with being the rogue. Like you're that rogue sport where you just have this hardcore following. So they're always constantly changing the game to sort of try to impede, appease non-hockey fans. Yeah. Like, you know, those assholes every four years who watch, like, Olympic hockey, and they're like, if this is how the NHL was, I would watch. Right. No, you're still going to watch the NBA. You're too invested in it. You've been watching it for, like, 25 years. So, I don't know. Have you, have you been checking out any of the uh, that NHL? I think it just started back up again. Were they going to do, like, a round robin or something like that? No, I mean, I'll watch that. But it's – I mean, that, that's more like – like, whoever wins that, are you going to be, like, their Stanley Cup champs? I mean, not really, right? Well, Right. So it's kind of, I'll watch it because I'm desperate for sports and I'm desperate for things to watch, but I won't put any credence. I mean, I don't know all of it, the bubble. Not, I mean, nothing's real. I will say, I, I think it's funny, right? Not funny, but all the NFL players are complaining right now. You know, like there's no COVID safety. Like Roger Goodell gives a fuck about their safety. No shit. He doesn't care. Like he's like, he doesn't care about nothing, but they'll be on the field. <laughs> One way or the other, the NFL's happening. That's a guarantee. Guarantee. What about what about what about like? Because uh, I know I know you're a, a betting guy, and like, yeah. and Bill and I have a bet that and I he actually can... wins though. All of those guys. Uh, that ain't true. No. <laughs> no. You, you see, you do better than most though. Every time I turn you on, you're killing it. Wait. Yeah, maybe, but then I probably bet more. Like I have horses going right now. I don't even probably get my ass whipped right now. Do you do you bet on yourself on your skills? What skills do I have? Uh, it's, uh, skill, skills would be the company. I bet on my company. I made a lot of money on myself with Barstool. But, like, I don't have any – I can't be like, hey, I'm going to go beat Carl Lewis in a race. No, Let Bill me ask and I have skills. a bet. Bill and I have a bet that I can't hit a – what is it, a 35-yard field goal? How many, how many kicks do you get? One kick. One oh, kick. no chance. You get 40, 35. Hold on, hold on. Stop, 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 stop. You're writing that off way too quick as a betting man. You have one kick? One kick. No chance. Come on. Can I get action on this? No chance. Let's get action on it. We're going to bankroll it, dude. We're going to get you some tight football pants. And what are the odds here? We'll Pat, McAfee, Pat McAfee watched me kick and says, I think you got a shot. 
No, I mean, Pat McAfee is one of the worst gamblers I've ever met. He, he had it. Pat, Matt, Pat McAfee hadn't placed a bet till two years ago in his life. I had to teach him what a fucking spread is. So I'm not betting the house on Pat McAfee acknowledging. He's also like one of the nicer humans there is. So I don't see Pat McAfee, even he's like, this guy's no chance to be like, no. So I'm not, he, thought, he thought it was a make a wish segment. Out. Yeah. That wasn't the way to get me like, oh, well, Pat McAfee said he could do it. Bro, bro. <laughs> Dude, you have no, Dave, you have no idea the amount of bets. Because this is the way my brain works. I only bet on myself. I always bet on myself. I was like, all right, what can I challenge Dave to? Like, you got a beautiful swing. He's like a white beautiful. Wesley Snipes. Yeah. <laughs> you got a beautiful left-handed swing. I'm not challenging you to a home run derby. I think you might got me on that. I definitely can beat you pitching. I And, then and like, I'm going through all the list of things. And then I just go yeah. back and I go – Fucking field goal. Next rough and rowdy. We st- in the middle of it. You throw up a fucking goal post. I come out. Everyone puts their money in right then. I've never tried to kick. I have no idea how it'd be. I wouldn't think I'd be a great kicker. I'm just thinking somebody's not a kicker. One kick, 35 yards, no chance. Very easy. Well, it's definitely not very easy. Like NFL guys <laughs> miss 35 yard field goals. Trying to sucker us in is what's yeah. happening here. He's talking a little bit of shit here. I get it. you're selling the fight, Bert. No. It- Hey, what you so you've had a lot of really great ideas. Like Saturdays are for the boys, one of my favorite things ever. My daughters have those shirts. My daughters yeah. have those shirts. Um, fucking rough and rowdy. You have so many brilliant ideas. I want to know the ones that didn't pan out that you were like, hold on, guys. Fucking so, Yeah, so we did a concert tour. The closest we've ever been to being out of business. So back in like 2009 or 10, we we hired a local musician, his name is Sam Adams, and we went to like six different schools in New England. Um, and it, it went really well. Like we were supposed to do frat basements. We ended up doing like the Mullen center at UMass and URI. And I thought to myself, we paid 20 grand for six shows. And it's like, huh, if we're selling 3000 tickets for these and I go hire some real talent or bigger name talent at the time for all these venues, we can make a fucking ton of money. So I, I had this guy, uh, Mike Posner, the song was like cooler than me at the time. I know. Um, well, I had Mac Miller. I paid five hundred bucks for Mac Miller. That's how early he was. Like that's how much his wow. his cost was. Um, Wale and a bunch of but and then I bought the venue. So I was I was spending close to three hundred grand a show when it was all done, and we didn't sell any fucking tickets. I mean, I thought we were going out of business. If if I couldn't get out of the venues, like we were four wall in the venues renting them, if I couldn't get out with a cancellation fee, that would have been the end of Barstool. That was a total disaster. Do you know what a, a promoter in Boston told me? That's how the Sullivan family lost the, uh, yeah. the Patriots. It's because they a- didn't realize how big Michael Jackson's sta- stage was going to be because he was competing with Prince. And they thought he was going to have, like, the standard size, like the Rolling Stones that somebody used. And he came out with this giant thing, ate up all of these seats, specifically down low, too. And then the Foxborough one got canceled. And they that was, like, 83 or something. It took until about 1990 where they just finally lost the team. Yeah, I heard, I've heard. i heard similar, like, versions of that. Yeah, that's a, uh, that's a tough – Tough business. What the hell was I just going to ask you in the middle? Super of- tough business because it's like the one you get in talent, the, the promoter angle, which is what we were, especially Live Nation drives up the prices. But it's like they basically the promoter takes all the risk and you're capped at how much you can make. So it's a brutal business. We, oh, we don't do that anymore. You don't, you don't have to tell this to the guy starting a drive-in movie theater tour. 
it's a fucking <laughs> it's a it's an upside down business where you gotta sell out everything. This podcast is brought to you by Policy Genius. Shopping for life insurance can raise a lot of questions. How much coverage do you need? Which insurance company is best for you? How much should it even cost? And at a time when it's more important than ever to save money or have life insurance, the pandemic is making it a little more complicated to shop for it. That's where Policy Genius can help. As a life insurance marketplace backed by a team of experts, Policy Genius <laughs> is keeping track of all the changes in the marketplace so you don't have to. They will find you the right amount of coverage for the best possible price without the headache. Policy Genius compares the quotes from the top life insurance companies in one place. It takes just a few minutes to compare quotes from the top insurers to find you your best price. This doesn't just save a lot of legwork. It also saves money. It can save you up to $1,500 or more a year by using Policy Genius to compare life insurance policies. Once you apply, Policy Genius team will handle all the paperwork and red tape for free. So if you hit any speed pumps during the app, application process, <laughs> they'll I'm be You can tell that I'm drunk, right? They'll be there to take care of everything. So if you need life insurance, but if you're unsure where to start, head to policygenius.com. Policy Genius will find you the best rate and handle the process completely. They'll get you and your family protected and hopefully give you one less thing to worry about. Try it today at policygenius.com. All right, it's Helix, everybody. Helix, uh, are you not able to sleep? Are you not able to sleep today because of today's politics? Your love life, any other drama you talk about? Um, Helix Sleep makes personalized mattresses made right here in America and shipped straight to your door with free no contact delivery, free returns, and a hundred night sleep trial. Uh, to choose a mattress, Helix made a quiz that just takes two minutes to complete, matches your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress for you. If you like the mattress, if you like a mattress that's really soft or firm, if you sleep on your side or your back or your stomach, if you sleep really hot with Helix, there's a specific mattress for each and everybody, everybody's unique taste. Um, I love Helix, evidently, but you don't need to take my word for it. Helix was awarded, the, you know what it is? I haven't bought a new mattress in a while, so I gotta use these guys. Helix, or Helix, was awarded the number one best overall mattress picks. Let me do that again, I don't wanna fuck with these guys. I love Helix, or Helix. I love Helix. Let me do this again. I love Helix, but you don't need to take my word for it. Helix was awarded the number one best overall mattress picks of 2020 by GQ, Wired Magazine, and Apartment Therapy. Just go to helixsleep.com slash billbert, take their two-minute quiz, and they'll match you to a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life. They have a 10-year warranty, and you get to try it out for 100 nights risk-free. They'll even pick it up and give you a full refund if you don't love it. Gross! But you will. Right now, Helix is offering up to 200 bucks off a mattress for our, order, for our listeners. Um, get up to $200 off at helixsleep.com slash billbert. This podcast is brought to you by Simply Safe. Here's the thing about home security companies. Most trap you with high prices, tricky contracts, and lousy customer service support. So while there are a lot of options out there, there's only one no-brainer. Simply Safe has everything you need to protect your home with none of the drawbacks of traditional home security. It's got an arsenal of sensors and cameras to blanket every room, window, and door tailored specifically for your home. Professional monitors keep watch day and night 
ready to send to police, fire, or medical professionals if there's an emergency. You can set it up yourself in just under an hour. Just peel and stick the sensors exactly where you need them. No technicians required. And there's no contract, no pushy sales guy, no hidden fees, no fun. And you fun catch your kids sneaking out the window to take out the family car. And I got two teenagers. This is what I love. And what I love more than anything, this all starts at just $15 a month. I'm not the only one who thinks Simply Safe is great. U.S. News and World Report named it the best overall home security in 2020. Try Simply Safe today at simplysafe.com slash Bill Burt. You get free shipping and a 60-day risk-free trial. There is nothing to lose. That is simplysafe.com slash Bill Burt. Bill, do you like sex? I love sex, Bert, and I think about you when I do it. Then you will lose. (laughs) (laughs) You will love Bluetooth.com. You're my boy, Blue. (laughs) Bluetooth.com offers men a performance enhancement for the bedroom. At Bluetooth.com, you can get your first chewable with the active ingredients. Your dick is going to be reverse Colin Kaepernick. It's going to be standing up. (laughs) Yep. Because it has sildenafil and tadenafil. It's the same ingredients that are in Viagra and Cialis. Bluechew.com affiliated physicians work with you to find the right dosage and active ingredients that best fits you. For instance, if I was the doctor, Bill, and you had erectile problems, what would you say to me? I'd say, Bert, don't tell this to anybody, but my dick's not working. Then you need some chewables from Bluetooth that can be taken on a full or empty stomach. Online physician consultation is free. It only takes a few minutes to connect you with BlueChew.com's affiliated physicians. And if you qualify, you get prescribed online quickly. No in-person doctor visit. No awkward conversation. This is perfect. You don't have to wait for the pharmacy line. You don't have to look another man in the eye and say, my dick doesn't work anymore for the love of God. No, it ships direct to your door in discreet packaging. The chewables from BlueChew.com are made in the USA. Thank God. I want an American hard dick. Am I right, Bill? That's right. You want a red, white, and blue dick. Blue. Standing up, just not on the 4th of July. Flag blue. day, Labor Day. Blue Chew gives you the confidence in the bed every time. You and your partner will love it. Chew it and do it. Here's the great deal for you guys. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first order free. When you use the promo code Bill Burt, just pay $5 in shipping. That's B-L-U-E-Chew.com, promo code Bill Burt. Um, yeah. Bill, what were you going to ask him? So I have a million questions for Dave. Uh, I was going to – I want to talk Rough and Rowdy because I got to hang on a couple yes. of those. Nice rough and night. Rowdy fucking rocks. Yeah, rough rules. and Rowdy fuck – Bill, I, look, I noticed no, – the, mil- the Milkman was my Bill favorite. Bill introduced me to it. And I was, and it's, it's really when I started discovering you guys and going like, fuck, Saturdays are for the boys. I've been saying that. Dudes have been coming up to me at shows with cameras. Bert, what are Saturdays? Saturdays are for the boys. I always say it. I didn't even know what the fuck it was. But yeah. Bill did Rough and Rowdy, and I am fucking addicted. No, and that, and that first venue that we did, uh, was that in Charlotte? The house was that, that Rick Young no, I, d- I did one in Ohio. I only did two. I did one in Ohio, then we did one in down in Charlotte. It was an old wrestling arena, and I'd been dying to go back there to do a show. I was Because it was like, I, just the way they packed them in, it was like an old school venue, so there wasn't any luxury boxes or nothing. It's one of my favorite venues I've ever been in. You could feel the history. That just as a comedian, Ric Flair is one of the funniest people that's ever existed. 
Yeah. And his monologues, whatever you call it, like him doing the promos is better than most of the shit I've ever written total in my whole career. Just, I, I'd be like doing like a, a venue like Carlin or Pryor did. So I've been wanting to go back there. And um, is there, a, as far as like a, uh, that event, is there a way, because the crowd is just so much part of that event. Is there a way during this fucking COVID shit where we keep going back and forth about slowing it down and it comes back? Is there a way that you guys are thinking of trying to do one of those? We, we stopped. I mean, we're, we're, we're bad at shit like that. The amount of like work and effort that probably has to go into getting it approved. Like even Dana White, I mean, he had the thing set up. It got shut down like two or three times before he was able to do it. I guess it's state to state. We're also a part of us was like the way people come at us, we'll do it. And then people blame COVID on us. Like, oh, you Barcelona. said Dana White shut it down? No, no. I'm saying Dana – but he did Fight Island, and he had a couple events that were shut down oh, before oh. he was able to get it off. So it's just seems like too much of a fucking headache right now with everything going on with COVID. Well, I have a good theme if you want the next one because you always What's have, like, the towns versus the towns. Yeah, yeah. Well, considering everything's been politicized, why don't you politicize rough and rowdy and you have, like, the snowflakes versus the Trumpsters or something like the mask wearers versus non-mask wearers. Yeah, that would be, like those, be a good theme. Like COVID or some shit. I don't know. Do it like right before the election. I know. And Kiva vs. Proud Boy would be a big fucking get on YouTube views. Oh, and Tifa vs. Proud Boy. Oh yeah, yeah, big time, big time. Dave, Dave I'm going to ask you a, a question. I'm sure you had to answer a million times, but I'm dying to know. And I've and I've watched a lot of of content on you. If you can give me almost like a hop, skip year by year of the progression of how you started your business. I'd be fascinated because I know it started off as a legit magazine or like a legit newspaper. Yeah, right. And it was all about getting money from gambling sites to pay for the newspaper. But now I've been to your offices. I've literally pilfered your merch store for my daughters. Yeah. They're obsessed. Dude, I, had, I wore a zillion beers today uh, grilling. And so I, I want to know like, this is maybe too much for this podcast, but like how you, how you started your business and how you look at your business on making money. Cause so many dudes want to be you. Right. It, it, well, that's a big save. I would love to have a barstool sports. What yeah. you do is fucking impressive, brother. Yeah. You know, it, a lot of it is I don't have like a business degree and, and it was all, it's all been wildly organic. It, it, there is no, in fact, a lot of people ask me like, what do you think whenever anybody asks me like from a business perspective or whatever, like, what do you think's going to happen in like two years? It's like the way the world moves, the way, you know, there's movements, the way technology moves. I don't know what the fuck's going to happen in the next month. Like I didn't know TikTok was going to be around in fucking two months ago. So anybody who's like, I know what the future is going to bring is lying. We just react really quickly and we pivot to what we think people want. We're not stuck to anything. If it sucks, move away. If it's good, move towards it. I mean, Saturday for the boys, that wasn't planned out. That was super organic. It just caught fire and then we put the weight behind it. Rough and Rowdy was organic. Like I never thought we'd own it or buy it. I saw it 10 years ago. I'm like, this is fucking amazing. So it's like just, I guess, trusting our gut and moving along with it. You know, like as crazy as it sounds, so we started a newspaper. And the only reason we went online or got a website is a guy. So I used to wake up and hand the newspaper out outside subway stations in Boston. A guy who I had been giving it to 
moved to New York. He's like, hey, I love reading this. I, I'm moving to New York. If I build you a website, will you put the newspaper on the website? So I'm like, yeah, fucking knock yourself out, dude. But it's so it's just been, you know, always authentic, always trying to stay real to like what we're doing was just make people laugh and moving quickly. And, and who knows? Everything moves so fucking quick. Uh, you know, sports gambling being legalized, that was huge for us. Like we sold the company for fucking $450 million. And I think that was going to happen if they didn't legalize sports gambling, no chance. So it's just being, my dad used to say like oars in the water. Um, just make sure you're fucking swimming and you're there. And when <laughs> something's ready to hit, take advantage of it. All right, Bill, my Wait. dad, Bill, his dad said oars in the water. My dad said eat shit, cash checks. What did your dad <laughs> say? What did my dad say? Uh, I don't want to hear it. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Christ, I'm tired. Get these goddamn kids away from me. No, my dad, uh, my dad was just, ah, Christ, you know, you get yourself a cheeseburger, you know, you're going to be, <laughs> my dad's a major cheerleader. Christ, Bill, you're out there, you're telling jokes, you're making people laugh. There's really no, it's just, super, my dad was either super angry or super positive. But yeah. I, after a while, I just was like, this is just how he blows off steam. I fucking love my dad. My dad is the best. But, you know, when he was younger, it was just like, and I didn't understand people. I didn't understand the frustrations of a man with, you know, all those kids. <laughs> um, hey, I want to ask you this because uh, I, I probably don't want to know the answer, but um, how do you how go about you handicapping? <laughs> how, do you go about, no, how do you go about handicapping a horse? And not be oh, just I suck at it. I, I mean, I love horse racing. Like, I've been a horse racing guy my whole life. My dad used to bring me when I was a kid. As Barcelona's done better, I own some horses now. Uh, I love it. You, they have the daily racing form. If you don't know what it is, like how, how fast they how it's basically, you know, if you're looking at an athlete, you just look at their past history and it's like, all right, it's good, it's bad. Um, but it's great. I mean, it's an interesting industry. There's nothing you want to do a comedy show. Just set up a microphone and go to like uh, Suffolk Downs and just watch the fucking people there. It's it's a different world of people, uh, and I love it. I've grown up on it. I mean, it's, I usually spend August in Saratoga up in New York. You can't have fans this year, so that sucks. But, yeah, I fucking love it. Yeah, I went to the Kentucky Derby one time, and I was supposed to go again this year, but that got blown out of the water. But I think you guys retweeted a video. Bert, you got to see this thing where it was like, you know, people like, uh, you know, you're watching a baseball, you're watching a fight and you're acting out fighting. This guy was betting on a horse. He was acting out the guy riding the horse. Yeah, he was whipping yeah, he, himself. He was, dude, he was literally, he was going like this. He was whacking his own ass with the fucking, with, what, what do you call it, the, the program The program, there. he had the program. Yeah, dude, and he was, like, he was in rhythm yeah. with it, and yeah. he was whacking it every other one, and then when he came down the stretch, he was hitting his ass on every one. Oh. Fucking hilarious. It's like... I got to admit, though, if that was ever one of my kids and somebody sent me that video, like that's what I created, I, I would definitely die a little inside. It was one of the there's, best nothing, best. there's nothing like degenerates. Nothing I like a degenerate. That, I miss that they, they lost out on the uh, fringe gambling. Like when growing up in Florida, our two things were Greyhounds and High Life. And like, listen, I, I, you want to talk about ideas I have, I, they're bringing back fucking High Life. I, I I want to buy a highlight league. I think we could make highlight. There's nothing like highlight. Oh, Dave, 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 I'm in on this 100%. By the way, I have an amazing highlight throw from baseball. 
Like, I literally said yeah. to myself, I will be amazing at highlight. I had a t- TV show on Travel Channel, and we were in Miami doing an episode, and I go, yo, get me into a highlight. I got to try highlight. That's Fuck where it's amazing. Dave, that's our bet. Bro, I've me, never seen this side of I didn't realize this, how many, how many, like, how much shit talk you have with sports ability. And, and, and I got to be honest, throwing a highlight ball has absolutely nothing to do with throwing a baseball, so I don't see that comparison at all. Uh, but by the way, hold on. Have you ever thrown a highlight ball? No. It, 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 it started but you're holding that. like a thing. Oh, no, no, it's no. like you're throwing it, it like it's like a lacrosse stick. No, nope. yeah, it's, it's, like it's attached to your arm. It's attached yeah. to your arm. And the, the motion is that of an outfielder. Just boom. And, and I'm telling you, it is exhilarating. It is awesome. And if you start a highlight league, Dave, I will invest in my own team and my own league. I will – that is something I can put money behind. Start a fucking highlight team. Start gambling on it, and I am in on that shit. The best part about betting on highlight is they just cheat right in your face. So it's like it, 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 it's like they'll make the most remarkable catches, like Willie Mays' basket, and then they'll just drop like a routine fly ball. You're like, well, that guy just fucking cheated, but you know it's going in, so it's just part of the deal. Dude, I feel like I'm on like a regular guy's Shark Tank right now. <laughs> I like. I'm in. I'm buying. I will invest in that. Okay. Okay. Next pitch. Awesome. Next pitch. I want to. I, I want to. Awesome. I want to do a barstool sports, uh, first beer affirmation. So it's an app where, <laughs> where when you have your first beer of the day, it's me giving you a one minute affirmation about what a badass you are. So as you drink that beer, you go, "This is gonna be the best fucking night of my life." I'm gonna grab another beer real quick. <laughs> Oh God! So in his underwear? Yeah. Was that like a bit? Was that a bit? What just happened in the underwear? He gets up in the underwear. I don't know. It's he, he's in the valley. He's had a couple of beers. <laughs> a, a I just, please tell me that leather there. couch in the valley didn't come with your house. God knows who got fucked on that thing for. Um, <laughs> no, I bought it. I bought it. Hey, so uh, wh- what else do we got here, man? As far as like Boston sports things, anything else coming up? There's a big trade with uh, Buffalo was supposed to be happening. Number one line center. I don't know. They wanted two number ones. You big hockey guy or no? No, hockey's my distant four. I'm, I'm the biggest pink hat fan. Like I, I actually rile up Bruins fans because I don't watch any regular season. And then I go, I go all in in the playoffs. I act like I'm fucking, you know, the, the most diehard guy. I chirp people who haven't seen it. It's like I haven't missed a second of playoff hockey. I was at game seven. I got the bandwagon. But regular season, I can't watch it on TV. I just cannot watch hockey on TV. I think it's just one of those things if you grew up, it's like working on cars. I played growing up, and I and I used to watch it like. All right. So I watched like Ricky Ricky Middleton, like Dave. I watched all those teams. I loved it. But as I got older, oh Pete Peters. I used to be Pete Peters, Reg Lemelin. Like I was a Bruins fan growing up. But I just lost it. Some of my favorite. Rick Middleton was my favorite. Nifty. Yeah, he was the best. Hey, have you? Do you think there's a world ever where you sit down and break bread with Roger Goodell? And no. he ever just sits there and says, you know, I kind of forgot that I was making 30, 40 million a year. And I allowed, you know, some huge Whoa. NFL fans that actually helped my business for whatever fucking control freak reason to get under my skin to the point. He had the chance. I mean, did you hear this latest episode I had with him when it is so the NFL draft, you know, they, they put up and in the middle of it. 
He's like, we have an auction for COVID for first responders. You can watch Monday Night Football with me in my man cave. So I heard that. I'm like, wait, what? So I fucking bid on it, and I won. I paid $250,000 for this. So I fucking won it, and everyone's like, what's Goodell going to do? What's Goodell going to do? He fucking canceled it. He, they said they, they ran the report on me and all this stuff, and I was like a risk. So that was his chance to have me sit down. If I showed up and he's like, played a good sport, it would have been done. If he didn't do it, that, I, 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 I won fair and square, quarter million dollars. Wouldn't do it. Wouldn't do it. That money was going to go towards what? COVID, like first responders and shit. Wow. Wow. So if he wasn't going to do it then. And you two guys sitting there. I'm sorry. It's the second time I haven't, I haven't gotten the information when you were talking. That, that I, um, why would, what an idiot. He could have just squashed the fucking thing. 100%. So it's I like, as a fan, I'm kind of happy that he didn't. Because you going limp when they pulled you out of the Super Bowls. <laughs> was one of the funniest fucking things I've seen. If they come over, I'm telling you right now, he goes, I'm going limp. I'm going limp. Man, all these guys, <laughs> and a grown man just went like like this. <laughs> I, I dead fished him. That will be all my Mount Rushmore moments. The fact they had their chance to take me out when I, I didn't see him coming, and then they gave me like two minutes to think about it. And I said to my camera guy, I just get ready. I'm going dead. I'm going limp here. And my feet just drag along the steps with uh, Maroon 5 playing in the background. Oh, <laughs> name the things you want brought up at your funeral that you did right in your life. That's I mean, a, that, that's one. That's a fucking perfect one. Going limp was definitely one. Getting arrested at NFL headquarters was definitely a big one. Um, you know, there's been there's been a bunch of different, but a lot of them now are NFL. I don't know. We've been doing it for so long. Bill, do you they, want? They don't seem to have like out of all of them. They don't have like a sense of humor. I remember a long time ago we were trying to me and a buddy of mine were trying to do something um, for the NFL, and every time it was just it was so rigid. That, the, that you, your, your area of creating was from here to here. Like, I remember I went to a, uh, I went to a sports bar and uh, there was this Ravens fan there. What was that time we played him in the playoffs in the first play? They, ha- they handed off to their running back. I Ray think it was Rice. Like, yeah. 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 Ray Rice. Right up Great to the guy. Dude, <laughs> this guy, this sports fan, like, I can't even tell you how annoying this guy was. As, the, as he started running down the field, he just starts going, this guy just starts going, as loud as you possibly could, and then just starts walking around the whole bar yelling Super Bowl. Dude, it was the first round of the playoffs. And he was, I, I wanted to beat the fuck. I couldn't. He was bigger than me. But he just, the whole game was doing it. I had such a miserable experience beyond the fact that my team lost, that this fucking asshole was acting like this. And nobody at the establishment was doing anything. Um, and I, I got home. I was so pissed. I was like, I got I to gotta get something positive out of this. And I wrote this ad for DirecTV for the, uh, what, what's, what's their, um, the NFL package. Yeah. And it started off with this guy in the bar dealing with this fucking asshole. And it ends with him watching it at home with his own beer, having a great time. And as he was in the background, it said, uh, uh, DirecTV NFL package. And as he was sitting there, that guy drove by outside in his car, like, down the street. And it said it pays for itself just to get away from that guy. Yep. And if I remember correctly, DirecTV loved it and blah, 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 blah. But then when we went to the NFL, they got all protective about, like, we don't want to make fun of our fans. Our fans are blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, dude, 
nobody, no NFL fan thinks they're that fan. And if no. they do, they enjoy being that guy. Like you, like people weren't going to watch less of it. And we did another one. Everything they do is off. Even like the NFL draft, it's such Goodell. Like when they, he thinks like intentionally having people boo him, like works. He's like, see, I can make fun of myself because I'm telling them to boo me. It's just everything he does is just off, off. Yeah. We did another one. We, I forget it. We're going to do something about NFL tailgates. And we went to the Raider ones where everyone was all dressed up and shit. I'd ask him a bunch of positive Raider things. And then gradually I would switch the conversation to talking about global warming and shit like that. And people would be sitting there in like all their makeup. Hey, I think it's more yeah, of a federal yeah. issue. Is it holding the thing? And they didn't like that because it was making fun of their fans. So I think that that's why I've kind of been fascinated watching that whole soap opera with the two of you just in this weird way, enjoying you fucking with them. But also as a football fan, and a fan in the NFL just hoping at some point, it's like, guys, can you have a fucking sense of humor about yourself? This guy is an NFL fan. This guy helps promote your fucking league. And um, yeah, this was that was the chance. The charity was the chance. He had the excuse, but if he wasn't going to do it, then he's never going to do it. When does this whole um, this whole new venture into the sports gambling, your whole app, which is going to destroy every other app? Um, when, when is that whole thing going to like, supposed I, to be probably like September, October, third quarter. So they tell me of, you know, this year, who knows what COVID does to it, but soon once sports are going, we should have it ready. It's being built right now. I want to talk, I want to talk about your podcast, uh, Dave, because that's how I kind of met, uh, Barstool was through KFC radio. Yeah. And you guys have blo- like your podcast, one of the most gangster moves. I know I'm going to get shit for what I'm about to say. Was that the Two Chick podcast? Call Her Daddy. Call Her Daddy. The fact that you just got on that RSS feed and talked directly to those fans. Like, that's a – this is really inside baseball. But that's – that is a direct lesson. I, it, when I saw that, I, that's a direct lesson. in every person out there that wants to start content, you get your own RSS feed. You do your own fucking thing. You build it by yourself. You want to jump onto Barstool's coattails? But remember, it's bar stools. Remember, give, it's, give it's, the listeners the backstory. What, wait, what, what, what was the whole soap opera with that thing? You, you had two people that came on your network. They blew up. Yeah, so we had uh, we started a podcast called "Call Her Daddy." It was two girls, two attractive girls that, and they they did maybe like one or two demo episodes of it. And I knew one of the girls, Alex, um, and we saw it, and we reached out like, "Hey, this is interesting, unique. Would you guys ever think about like?" signing contracts with us, bringing over. Like, yeah, we worked out a deal, um, signed them each to three-year contracts. So they're full-time employees of ours. Call Her Daddy became one of our podcasts. We own the IP. And it was a negotiation. But, you know, what? kind of what Bert's saying, like, when you join Barstool, we put gasoline behind your podcast. We're putting, you know, millions of dollars in marketing behind it. And we try to blow the thing up. And it blew up. It became bigger than I imagined what they imagined. And about a year into it, they wanted to basically leave. They're like, we're not getting paid enough. And there's two sides to everything. But yeah, if they were independent and they own Call Her Daddy at the size it became, they would have been making more money. Flip side is, if they didn't join us, there's a chance nobody would have known what the fuck it was. So my, it's almost, I always use it like a baseball contract. If you're a fucking baseball player and you sign a three-year deal with the Red Sox and you have a great first half of the season you can't just be like oh i'm going to the yankees now because they're going to pay me more it's like well 
you signed a three-year deal with the Red Sox. Wait for it to go, and then you can go to the Yankees if you want. Um, and we had a big back and forth. At one point during this dispute, the two girls sort of turned on each other because they had they had leverage in the sense if they just quit, we would have sued them, but then we would have lost all the revenue. It's COVID. We're trying to keep the thing going. They stopped doing the podcast, and I just jumped on their RSS feed at one point. Their audience had no fucking clue who I was. Brand was new, just, brand new. Call her daddy. Brand yes. new. Call her daddy. Who is it? It's Dave. Listen, yeah. I'm not mocking these girls. I'm just letting you know. And Bill, you know this. Andrew, you know this. Dave, you know this. If you want to start a podcast, sign up a barstool, but realize that all that shit you're getting up front, they gave you. That that's right. you got a, a bunch of things. So I'm sorry, Dave. Keep going. You jumped on the so, RSS feed. Yeah. So I jumped on the RSS feed and basically explained the situation. I'm like, there are three or cons, and they were hinting at the time, like we we're trying to do shit to them. Like we won't let them talk. We won't do this. It's like, listen, people can say whatever they want about me. I let anybody say whatever the fuck they want. You can sling it. I never tell anybody. If you don't like me, say it. If you think you're being treated unfairly, say it. But don't be like, my hands are tied. I can't talk. And I gave the whole scenario. I'm like, we signed them for three-year deals they're making 70 grand each which is a pretty good starting salary when you have no audience by the end of year one they're each making half a million each because it had grown and we were willing to work with them but they had this guy from hbo sports who was like the boyfriend it was a fucking whole thing this guy suit man who was trying to negotiate them leaving and essentially be their manager so i just went on the podcast oh, God. and i you let it rip the whole thing up he did he, he did. And I just let it rip. And all the Caller Daddy fans became like Dave Portnoy fans. It has increased my sex game like you wouldn't fucking believe. <laughs> I, I, can you talk, can you talk yeah. about uh, the spit and chicklets uh, shit that went down Friday? I don't know how it went down. Oh, with Ronick? Oh, yeah. Bill, do you know about this? No, I got, dude, I got, I just, I got a newborn, dude. I don't know what the hell's going on. So, Dave, if you can just catch him up to speed. Yeah, so Ro, Jeremy Roenick, obviously a huge hockey guy, NBC Sports, went on Spit and Chicklets, I don't know, a year ago or something. And when, I don't know the exact time frame, but he told a story about wanting to basically have a threesome with Catherine Tappan when they're on like a trip. Catherine Tappan, NHL Network, when they were traveling together. <laughs> He got major. Look at Bill already. Already. Now, now listen. I'm. A, I'm what a happens when you go into barstool? You know you don't tell that story uh, over the listen, air. Listen, when they I, all I, you fucking beer, you don't take it. You fucking stay. Listen, Party I knew. I knew that was a bad story immediately. I'm like, oh, I wish he didn't say that. But he was trying to fit in. And from what I've gathered, Ronick and Catherine Tappan are like pretty good friends. So it was like joking, but. You know, as good of friends as Jeremy wanted, but they're pretty good friends. You, right. But in, in this era that we're in, like, you know, Catherine Dappen had to condemn what he said. You can't be a female journalist and be like, yeah, I'm fine with some dude joking about that. So he got fired from NBC. And he said this on the Spit and Chicklets, which is an unbelievable podcast, best hockey podcast by a mile. But then recently, Ronick now is suing NBC because he's saying he's gotten treated unfairly. Basically, like, from the way I read it, like, Tara Lipinski and uh, the other figure Johnny, skater. Used Johnny to make Weir. Johnny Weir. John Weir. Yeah, it was Johnny Weir and Tara Lipinski. 
together that they would make sexual comments while announcing figure skating that they didn't get reprimanded for, and he did. So well, he, he, uh, he apparently went to NBC and he said, "What about Johnny Weir? He had made comments about the I think about one of the, a movie a cast of young kids in a movie and been talked very sexual." And he's like, "What about Johnny Weir?" And, and apparently and allegedly. The head of NBC said he's gay. He can say whatever he wants to say. You're straight. You can't. So now he is sell suing NBC for straight, <laughs> straight, yeah, straight bias, straight bias. Wow. Straight bias. <laughs> you know what? It's crazy. This world's so fucked up. Like he could win that. By the exactly. way, by the way, Johnny Weir does. I mean, part of part of a comedic. Can I just say something real quick? Yeah, please. As a man, when you get in trouble, okay, you don't bring up some other fucking dude who has nothing to do this, with this shit. That, yeah. is, that is immediate loss of your man card. You can allude to shit. Well, you know, what? Uh, there's been scenarios with blah, blah, blah. Why are you putting that guy on the fucking bird? He didn't fire you. Yeah, Johnny Weir didn't do shit. Now, that, that's a soccer mom move. I don't know. It's like, he, I don't think Johnny Ware cares. I mean, he's like flamboyantly gay talking about, I guess, guys, figure skating or whatever. I don't think he cares. But if you're, you, he's trying to show there's a double standard, which I don't fucking know. I mean, there probably is. There definitely is. Yes. But whether that's wrong or not, I mean, I mean, what there's he said. There's a standard he in that you, you can tell a straight white guy, we are not hiring you because you're a straight white guy. You can't do that to other groups. However, you know, there's a lot of fringe benefits to being the straight white guy. So I, I you totally. know, like back in the day, you know, there was a certain comedy club where this guy would just be like, ah, I already have enough white guys, but blah, blah, blah. Let me tell you, but I knew what he meant. It's like, I just don't want yet another white guy in a sweater saying, what's the deal with fucking pencil right. sharpness? Yeah, I've said that to our own employees. Like when we, I, and, and I had to say this recently, there was a guy who worked for us, a black guy. I hope because I was catching so much fire. I'm like, the only reason he works here is because he's black. And I didn't mean that disrespectfully, but we have a million more white resumes of guys who look like me, have the same sensibilities as me. We have a bigger pool of applicants and we want to reach different crowds. So if somebody, I may not initially be like, oh, he's funny or whatnot. I'm trying to reach new crowds, so that's just the truth. Well, I mean, it's it, you're running a business, so it's just like if that is what you're trying to do. I mean, I do that on my podcast as far as like, or like if I do like a stand-up special, I almost I tried to get on one of those uh, all women talk shows to promote my 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 latest special, and uh, one of the chicks just weirded us out. Well, it's just like this ain't gonna be. It was like. Uh, Somebody called up and said, hey, do you see his special? And the person was just like, I saw it. And that was it. Didn't say good or bad. We were just like, and I was like, you know, things are going really good for me. I, I don't, I don't, I, I don't know. That, that, that could have been great. It could have been bad. But like, I, I don't want to make, uh, I don't want to move up in this, this game by having arguments like that. You know well, that's, Bill, 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 that's a really great point because, for a while, I, I realized when I first started uh, kind of popping or whatever, I wanted to hit all the shit I liked. Sometimes the shit I liked wasn't in my lane. And, right. and I realized, oh, maybe I, – I remember telling Andrew Schultz this. I was like, I think my new motive is just stay in my lane. Like, to, sh to find the people that like me and, and grab them as we go. But, like, 
like I think all of us would love to have a very diverse crowd, but sometimes when you reach totally. out to a diverse crowd, they actually hate you. Yeah. Like, trans people may not like my stand up. Right. And that, that's, that's very true. And I mean, we're a business, so it, it, you know, we got advertising bigger and there are headaches involved with that. But I used to say, when we looked at ourselves, like, are we happy with being Seinfeld for lack of better words? Like, you know, we're good at what we know and how we grew up and our sensibilities. But when you're a bit like, if you're a comedian, and you're selling tickets, you're doing that fine. Like, we're trying to get advertising and people will just look and they'll make assumptions like they're not diverse. So they must be racist. It's like, well, I'm a white middle class fucking dude who grew up. And the only people who applied for jobs when I started were people who read me who were similar to me. And that's our talent pool. As you get bigger, you try to do it. But like you said, sometimes as we've gotten bigger and tried to be more diverse, it's like, what are these fucking guys doing? They don't know what they're talking about. So it's a, it's a tough balancing act. It really is. Oh, it is. As far as like staying in your lane though, there's a there's a there's a balancing act of staying in your lane, but continuing to evolve. Because if you don't, then it just becomes more of the same. But yeah. I've seen more of the same work for some people. Like this is what I do. People know that I do this. I'm I'm just gonna keep fucking doing it. I don't give a shit if the critics keep saying I keep doing the same thing. This is what the people want. Like fucking ACDC, my favorite goddamn band ever. For 40 years, I always joke, they wrote songs about uh, uh, women, the devil, and their balls. And yeah. they <laughs> like three chords or something. And it just, oh, Malcolm just had a way of just fucking always coming up with like a new riff that I enjoyed. And um, yeah, it is, it is, I don't know. I, I, I think I definitely avoided stepping in some major shit because as much as by trying to do like i don't know I, it's sort of a disease that that thing that that that, that thing the disease of more like okay my last special did this i need to do this so i need to cast the net even wider and i do think that eventually you kind of you probably end up getting away from like i don't think there's anything worse than alienating the people that first got into you 100 yes that's the worst then you're just like oh no now i'm not tethered to where i was from and now i'm just just sort of now, now I'm floating and I'm just reaching for anything. And at that point, you end up being like a contestant on a game show. Yeah. And then that's no, your it's something we deal with all the time. What, what's, uh, what's, and I, I can't imagine that you ever saw. Have you been to the New York offices of Barstool, Bill? Yeah. Fucking really impressive. I mean, legit impressive. Business I went to the first one and then this, I believe it was the first one and then the second one. Oh, it's I forget where the first one was, but then the second one was. I want to say, yeah. <laughs> the first one was like you were walking into Dave Portnoy's zipper. You were like, literally like, oh, that's a cock. Holy shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I mean, that that office was about, there was a bigger difference between the first office and the second office than there was the second and the third. I mean, the first office, that that was like an old doctor's office where we were all just mushed together, like no air conditioning, 150 degrees. It was, so we our offices have been something. Yeah, I don't think I was in that. So I was probably at the second and the third one. Yeah, the, the first one was in Milton in Massachusetts. Oh, no, no, no. I'm at New York. Yeah. Hey, what is uh, 10 years from now, where's Barstool going to be? It's a great question. Yeah, I already said, I don't know. I mean, hopefully in 10 years, I'm fucking very rich and done with it and on a beach and Barstool's a household That's not name. you. Bullshit. That's not you. The same no, that's the biggest lie. That's the biggest lie going. People always try to say that's not me. That is me. 
Like I, I, I could happily fucking sit bet on horses, golf, and sit by the pool. I could. People say no. Yes, I could. By the way, I could too. So, so I don't know why people like. How how much? Believe that. How much money? Because I, I, how much money do you think you need to have? Well, they'll let you do that. So I, I could do it now. So I, I, I could do it now. Like my. My net worth is like a hundred million right now from doing this thing, but I yeah, but I signed a five-year contract, so I got like I got to work my ass off in five years, and hopefully I'm worth a lot more. But that's plenty. Of money. I have more money. I, I I just casually say it to I was like, I got fuck you money. I I mean I do. So I don't. I have plenty of money. I just got to work still because that was the deal to get the money. I'm like I'll work my dick off in the next right, let five me ask years. You this. How old are you going to be in five years? 48. Still in his 40s. Unbelievable. So you'll be 48 fucking years old. You know, you got fuck you money, so you're going to be eating great. So you're going to live to at least 80. You got, you got, you got. To win. Although to win. you start hanging out with those guys in the track, I might take five years off. You got 30, at least 32 more years. Well, how, because that's my fan is, I just want to do it like, do this shit till I'm 70. And then just fucking hopefully I have enough and the dollar hasn't collapsed and everything I've worked for is still there. And then just, I just picture myself sitting out on a back, my back porch, not doing anything. Yeah. I could like, my finances could change because not all liquid. Like when we got bought by a company, Penn National, when, when they bought us, half our deal was like stock, half was cash. So the stock was at 26 when they bought us. People loved it, went to $39. And then COVID hit, it went from 39 to $3.75. So my net worth was fucking way worse. And it's come all the way back, but nothing's for granted now. I mean, if, I always say if, if like you were in a coma and an alien came down, you saw people wearing masks everywhere. You'd be like, what the fuck? So who knows? I mean, five years is a long time from now. Well, well anyway, let's well, say it well, all works out. What are, what are you going to do for 32 years? If you just yeah. bet on horses and lay by the pool. Where, where, where? So my places I'd like, I have a place in Nantucket. That's where I am. It's my favorite place in the world. I fucking love it. Uh, Boston, I still, I, there's nothing like Boston in the fall. So I'd like to live there in the fall, maybe spring. And then probably like West Coast, like Santa Monica, maybe in the winter. Is your, is your, is your Nantucket place, the place where you did the watermelon thing? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, bro, big pool respect. That is a beautiful pool. It's Thank old you. school. It's classic. Nice coping. Followed by grass, big pool respect. Well, yeah, give no, me some advice on a house. With the give me something. You don't have to. Obviously, you're probably not going to be able to do this. Only because it's super vulnerable. Give me some new fame shit you did when you first got money. Like, like, like old school. Old school new fame is like look at a girl in a magazine. This is like from the '80s and go, who is that? I'd like to meet her when you got first got famous. Like, what's something you did? We like, yo. I'm, I'm getting a box at a fucking sports game. Like, what's some new thing? Yeah, I mean, the, the, so the first, I've sold the company twice. I sold 15. The first time, I'm like, I'm going to get myself a nice watch. I don't wear fucking watches, but I went through the whole fucking thing with, like, Rolexes, and I'm getting ready to buy it, and I'm like, I don't fucking wear watches, so why am I buying a Rolex? And I bought, like, a 1970 Bronco, like an old Bronco truck oh. for my Nantucket house. This recent time, I bought my parents, a, a, like, a nice place that overlooks Boston. So that was cool. How old are your parents? My parents are like 70s. Nice, nice, nice. Yeah. 
But I don't get, yeah, other than that, it's, I mean, I fly private. That's like my biggest perk. That's the one thing I think the biggest thing that money can do is I'll fly private as much as I can. And that's something, once you fly private, it's fucking tough to go back to the normal airport. No, you can't do it. I've only done it a couple of times. Um, And that next flight... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that that's the biggest that's the only like i'm not i have money now but i's not always started barstool i'm not really a money guy i don't really give a fuck but i'd miss flying private that's like so I, much easier. I prefer a commercial airliner and the size of it to because the reality is unless you can afford which i can't to to uh fly a jet where you can actually stand up in it yeah, we can. Yeah, I'm, I'm in a little. Car. Okay, yeah. so once once you just get the whole, hey, I didn't have to go through security. That was fucking awesome. And I got my turkey sandwich and my fucking potato chips. When you just sit in the back of this thing, and there's a little shower curtain, and you can see the fucking pilot's shoulders. And I remember I had to take a piss, and the guy had to get out the co-pilot, lift up the snack tray, and under the snack tray yeah. was the toilet. Bert, I'm standing there. I'm, I, I, had to, I had to fucking piss like this. Like trying to hover over it, you know. And at first, when you're taking the piss, it's fine because it's coming out strong. But when it starts to fucking dribble off, you got to make like a porn star move so you don't piss down the side of your leg. And I'm like, this is private flight. I'd rather be in the. The only thing that sucks about commercial aviation is security, going through security, and all of that shit. Yeah, once you get on it. Yeah, but still, then you're next to a little fucking crying baby. Listen, I, I don't want to say this because the way <laughs> life works, this will be like my epitaph, like, oh, Dave said he'd rather crash in a private plane than fucking fly commercial. But I think I'd rather crash in a private plane than ever fly commercial. Now, I don't want that to happen. And knowing how life works, like, oh, they'll pull this quote, and that'll be like the way I go. But I really don't like flying commercial. BirdBird.com. I'm just making sure if you do, crash in a private plane that my website got out there. <laughs> All right, good. Because they're using that clip. Hey, yeah, why, haven't that. Bought, why haven't you bought a minor league team? I don't have, I mean, well, I'm not liquid, but they got to be more money than that. And I don't want a minor league team. I don't want to go on minor league fucking teams. Dude, you're in the area where all the minor league teams live. Yeah, but I don't want to go. I, I, don't, like, I don't like it. All right, Dave, I got a good question for you. If Bert had your money, how fast would he be broke? I don't know enough about him. High lie team, buy a minor league team. I mean, minor league team is a ridiculous thing to fucking buy. <laughs> no, it's not. First then what are you going to go to the minor league games? Like, I want to go to a Red Sox game. I'm going to go to the fucking uh, Pop- I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm going to the Providence Bruins over I the Boston Bruins. I go to the main Red, Red Claw Celtics games over the Celtics. You just said, I am that. I going to go to a minor league team? I'm sorry. Am I going to start as the pitcher on my minor league team? It's fucking Brewster's Million, brother. I am going to be playing in every fucking inning. Even that? I don't want to play in a fucking minor league game. Man. Bro, you wouldn't You wouldn't last. Bull fucking You're going to do the dog days of summer in your mid-40s? Are you kidding Playing me? with dirty baseballs? Bro, yeah. I am telling you right now. You give me, you give me Dave's money. Dave, switch, flip-flop with me. You can live in a, a house with two fucking teenage girls and a fucking 50-year-old wife. I am buying a minor league team. I am starting pitching, and I'm batting fourth. All right. I mean, I'm going to keep my life. I'm not going to make that trade, but I, I, I don't want that team. <laughs> I got a big uh. Didn't feel like movie theater movie theater day. Day. <laughs> yeah, the, 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 the wife, the kids, and all that. That sounded like a great trade, but I'm good. Are you done? Hey. You're not having kids? 
well, I mean, never say never, but I'm not like dying to have kids this moment. Yeah. Is, uh, how hard is, this is a weird question, but you're the single dude. You have a, are you single? You got a chick? Single. Is it hard? Yeah, this is not about Barstool anymore. We're just enamored with your personal life. Yeah. Is it, is how much was that lamp worth, Dave? Is it hard to get pussy in COVID? No. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it isn't. We're out here social distancing, and you're just coming fucking raw dogging it. <laughs> it's not hard. Call her daddy. You're the fucking best, man. <laughs> right. Let me tell okay. you. I'll tell you right now, man. I've lived a blessed life, a really blessed life. Like, you don't know who I am, but trust me when I say they don't get lucky. Oh, he's at least four IPAs in. Go ahead. <laughs> they don't get it's luckier. Like campfire than me. chat at this point. But man, you are fucking. God gave you a kiss on the forehead before he sent you down. It's been a wild ride for sure for me for the last fucking couple decades. That yeah, I uh, no complaints right now. Would you trade it all? for one thing and what's the one thing uh like what would you trade it all for like go like ah be a fucking doctor in india raising uh an, an that's an idiotic thing i mean the thing the, I, yeah i would trade it but everything i traded for would be like better than what i got like if you told me i could be like fucking you know a star if i could be a star baseball player and athlete yeah that's more fun and you make more money and it's like yes but Outside of being given, like, a talent, like, to throw a baseball 99 miles per hour or be able to run a full 140, to have, like, a normal white dude skill set, which is basically nothing, I've done pretty well with it. <laughs> yes, you have, dude. You're crushing it, man. I'm loving everything that you're doing. Uh, I can't wait for this, this gambling app to come out. I'm fascinated with, like, horse gambling now, which is probably a uh, – Yeah, yeah, I probably lost all my money, but whatever. Well, listen, man, I, I, I couldn't be more happy for you guys. Enjoy Nantucket. I hope your neighbor has finished building whatever the fuck. <laughs> the, the locals are very mad at me about that. They're in an uproar. Why? I mean, the so guy's parking heavy machinery in front of your fucking house. Yeah, my neighbor. By the way, I tried to buy the fucking house. And somebody, whoever sold it, did they, they said best and final offer. My real estate agent, I'm like, how much should I bid? He's like, just do the offering. No one else. It's too expensive. So I did the offering. I didn't get it. A guy who lived five houses down from me got the house, bid more. I called him, and he's doing it as a rental house. He's not going to live there. He's going to rent it out to vacation people. I called him. I'm like, how much more money? I'll give you whatever you want on top of the purchase price. I just don't want people building. He's like, no, we're not going to do that. The second I showed up, fucking construction. Nantucket, two months a year, the population is 100x of what it usually is. Do construction the other 10 months. They charge 10x what it is anyways. So I got pissed. And But the locals are like, what? Local people can't earn a living? Yeah, they can earn a living. You charge me 10x in the off season. So that's that story. You got me going there. <laughs> well, I get you going about some neighbors that I've had, but I don't need that same fucking headache. Um, <laughs> All right, that's it, man. Thank you so much for coming on. And yeah. uh, I hope sports comes back soon for all of us, but especially because of the entertainment value that you guys bring. You guys, you're the best in the business. And I hope to run into you at a Kentucky Derby when we're not wearing masks and all that shit somewhere um, down the road. Um, that's it, everybody. Thank you. The, the great, brilliant Dave Portnoy, everybody. Thank you, Dave. It's a pleasure. Right, thanks, brother. guys. Talk to you later. Okay, we'll see you.
Zeit.